Would you open your Bibles with me, please, to Luke 24? You know me, I get uh, touched at things, and just in three months and saying a phrase like that, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to worship together. It's a privilege to be your pastor. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we come this morning with joy. There's some anxiety maybe some heartache with joy that we get to gather together and we get to worship you. Whether we're in the room or in our home or anywhere else, we come to worship you. And we pray that in the midst of this world we live in now, with COVID-19 still happening, with protests about racism and violence and all the things related to that ongoing, we turn to you. And we pray that by your word, you'd speak to us. But you prepared this sermon today for us because it starts with fear. It moves to questions. It receives hope. And it ends in faith. May that be true of our lives even now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, if you haven't already found it on your, our website, linked from our homepage, southviewbaptist.org, there's a button there that says Bulletin. And it says something else beside the bulletin. You click that, it takes you to our entire bulletin. But at the very top of the bulletin page is our link to our version. So if you haven't already used the version app to follow along with sermons, it's there for you. And that's how we're going to do sermon notes, at least at this point, because they say we're not supposed to pass anything out. And so we're doing the best we can Again, if you have any feedback about our service in person or live stream, please just email us because we know we're going to make changes along the way and we're going to get better with your help. So that's office at southviewbaptist.org to email us. I've got a question for you when we consider today's sermon, and that is reactions to the resurrected Jesus. Reactions to the resurrection Jesus. Have you ever been surprised, like startled or scared? Like somebody tried to jump out at you. So just last night, I had gone out of the house to retrieve our flag. I fly an American flag a lot of the times, and uh, I don't have it illuminated. So, you know, flag code, etiquette, you're supposed to bring it in at night. So I went out, and I had just pulled the flag out and was just beginning to roll it up. And I had heard something behind me, but then John Mark went, "Ah!" and I was like, "Ah!" I mean, he got me just like that, you know? I mean, he's just my kid, and he's nice and everything, but he got me. And then he felt bad that he got me because, you know, he could see I was a little bit startled, and he apologized to me. I'm like, oh, you got me good, buddy. All of us have fear reactions at times. Sometimes it's something like that that's, you know, harmless. Other times it's something that is harmful that raises a fear reaction within us. And what we see in our text today, again, Luke 24, verse 36 and following is where we're going to start, is Jesus' disciples that knew him, but not exactly knowing how to feel or what was happening. 
Now, we've got a parallel text we'll read later, and that's in John chapter 20. And there are parallels between both of them. It's the same instance told by two different gospel writers, Luke earlier and John later. And they have the things happening in them, and there are six similarities and then a few differences. The similarities are that Jesus stood among them. He said, peace be with you. He showed the disciples his hands and feet inside. He referred to joy. He invited them to touch him, and he ate some fish. Okay, so I'm foreshadowing. All those things are similarities, but a few differences as well. So if you're able to and would like to join me and stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word, we can still do that, can't we? In Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 43. While they were still talking about this, Jesus Himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they had saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your mind? Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he said this, he showed his hands and feet. And while they were still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. Thank you. You may be seated. May God add to the reading of his word. Your first point in your outline today is that they, the disciples, had fear. They had fear. They had fear. I mean, literally, that's what it says, right? While they were still uh, talking about this. Well, what were they talking about? Remember, the disciples that had met Jesus on the road to Emmaus, that village seven miles outside of Jerusalem. They had met Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and when in Emmaus He reveals to them who they are supernaturally, He disappeared from them, but then they run all the way back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples, the, the larger group of disciples that were gathered there. And so the Emmaus two disciples are telling everybody else that's gathered together in Jerusalem about what had happened with Jesus, and then... He stands among them again. Now, Jesus had a physical body, but somehow it was slightly different than ours, and in a supernatural way that only God can do, He had the ability to appear and disappear. He's doing it here, right? What's it say there? He stood among them and He said, peace. Anytime in the Bible there is a theophany or a Christophany, theophany is an appearance of God, Christophany is an appearance of Christ, it always begins with the appearance, but then an announcement of peace is the second thing. Always throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, that's the pattern that it goes. But notice what it says in verse 37. They were startled and frightened. Now, startled, it may say terrified in your King James Version. Uh, Well, yeah, it's like when somebody sneaks up on you, like when John Mark snuck on me last night. And they were startled because even though they had heard the testimony, and even though some people had seen Jesus living in the flesh, Mary Magdalene, the guys from Emmaus there among them, and they'd shared that testimony, the others, you're still thinking he's dead. Because even though he had miraculous power, and even though he raised Lazarus from the dead, that was a little different. He wasn't crucified. And even though he had healed people, I mean, for him to come back from the grave, Jesus, it just was blowing their mind. So the other word there it says is that they were frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. 
I think this goes under the category of it's one thing to take a person at their word. It's another thing to see it in the flesh. If I said, man, you wouldn't believe Pastor David in these three months we've been apart. He went to the gym and he's been working out and he's buff like Pastor on hell. You guys would be sure, Pastor Aaron, we want to believe you because you're our pastor and you tell the truth. But then when David walks in and he's busting out t-shirts like on hell, you'd be like, wow, look at you. Yeah, yeah. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to see it. So of course they were startled. Of course they were afraid. And think about it. It's a natural reaction to a supernatural event. Do people raise from the dead? No. So even though they had heard about it, and even though they wanted to believe Mary Magdalene and the disciples from the road to Emmaus, it doesn't just happen. So yes, they had fear. But look at Jesus' reaction. That's the next point in your outline. Jesus gave them peace. Jesus gave them peace. Their natural reaction was startled, being feared. But Jesus offers them peace. He said, peace be with you. Their hearts were racing, the adrenaline was flowing, the goosebumps on goosebumps, and here he is. In John chapter 20, verse 19, our parallel passage that we'll turn to in a minute, it makes point to say that on the first day of the week, Resurrection Sunday, the very day that he had appeared in the morning uh, to Mary Magdalene, that the uh, angels had announced at the tomb, that he walked with the disciples to Emmaus, and when he broke the bread and prayed, then they knew it was him, and he disappeared. And so now it's evening that same day. And so on that day, he says, peace be with you. Jesus and God's word has something to teach us today. That this scripture, even though it was about a post-resurrection appearance of our Lord Jesus, reminds us today, when we have fear, who speaks peace? Jesus. When we've got fear about what's going on in our city, when we've got fear for ourselves or others that we know, when we've got fear for our nation, uh, no matter what side of uh, the political spectrum you're on or anywhere in the middle, when you have fear, where do you go? You go to Jesus. And you seek the peace that only he can give. That leads to your question there. How have I reacted to Jesus? How have I reacted to Jesus? When we needed him. When he showed up for us. When he reassured us. When he offered us faith in the midst of our fear when we didn't think he was there, but then we know that he's there. I don't know about you, there's been times in my life when I've been fearful, and I've even been on my knees or on my face in prayer, but in the midst of that prayer, I feel the presence of God by his Holy Spirit among me, and my fear turns to joy, and many times joy in those cases turns to tears. We're going to see that joy happening here in a minute for the disciples in our story in Luke chapter 24 and John chapter 20. But let's move to our second point on your outline. So that second major point there is they had questions. Of course they had questions. They had questions is your second major point. And that comes from verse 38. Now, they didn't say them, but Jesus knew them. Verse 38, he says, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? 
Well, of course, doubts were rising in their minds. But Jesus, rather than acting like it wasn't real, brings it out in the open. Jesus was a master at asking questions to get behind what's really going on with people. We have questions today, don't we? Why in the world is this virus going on like this? Why do people treat people so unkindly that they would do things like they do? Why in the midst of protest do you need to loot as well? Can God handle all these questions? Whether it's your health, whether it's your relationships, whether it's work, whether it's your finances, God can handle it. So what does Jesus do with their questions? And how does he answer it? That's your second response on your outline. And that's that Jesus strengthened their faith. Jesus strengthened their faith. Now, look at specifically how Jesus strengthened their faith. They didn't believe it was him or weren't quite believing because people don't rise from the dead. And even though he had heard about him from a few folks, they hadn't seen him themselves. And so what does Jesus do? He says in verse 39, look at my hands and my feet. And then he uses a a, a Greek phrase that's interesting, the way it's written in Greek. It says, it is I myself. He's saying, it's really me. It's not a ghost. It's not somebody who looks like me. It's not a stunt double. It's really me, Jesus says. Then he showed him his hands and feet, it says in verse 40. He even took some fish and ate it. Something about that just to show that he had a real body. He had hunger. He's strengthening their faith. When we have questions, where should we take our questions? To God in prayer, to our Lord Jesus and our relationship with Him through the Holy Spirit. And we take them to God's Word, the Bible, and we take them in prayer, and we ask, and we seek that God by His Word, God by His Spirit, God in prayer would strengthen our faith just like He does here. My prayer oftentimes goes like this. God, I've known I've grown in maturity and faith, and you've taken me through a whole lot. But God, in your grace, would you strengthen my faith? God, in your grace, would you answer me? God, in your grace, would you show me what I need to know? And God will strengthen faith. Your second question on your outline is, how can I grow my relationship with Jesus? Jesus answers their questions by seeking to strengthen their faith, to show him that he's real. And it makes the point for us that he's seeking to reinforce, to strengthen the relationship with those disciples then. And he wants to do the same thing with us today. And that question then is, how can I grow my relationship with Jesus? How can I grow deeper? How can I grow in faith in the midst of the questions in my mind, the worries in my heart? What can I do to get that type of intimacy And that type of trust in the midst of the crazy world that we live in now. So they had fear. They had questions. And third on your outline, they had hope. I love how this scripture moves around along. And it so much applies to our lives today. From fear to questions to hope. And all of us are going, Pastor Aaron, I could really use some hope right now for America. I could really use some hope for Lincoln, Nebraska. There's hope right here, friends. Look in verse 41. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Now, this is in the midst of him saying, look at my hands and feet. 
And when he's about to ask them, give me something to eat. But the reason I'm bringing this out is it answers this question. That they had questions. He's seeking to move them to faith. But then where he gets them is hope. Where do I get hope from? That phrase, joy and amazement. This is real, but I still don't believe it. This is really Jesus. He's really risen from the dead. Everything he said actually happened, but it's hard for me to believe. So it's joy and it's amazement, but it's a disbelieving joy. It's kind of like if, you know, somebody shows up at your door with the balloons and a big fake check and says, you won the sweepstakes. And you're like, um, I think this is probably candid camera, you know, or if you've been dating for a while and you're fond of each other and you've talked about things and, you know, he shows up on a knee and goes like this. <gasps> it's a disbelieving joy. We've all had that moments. We've seen the videos of a kid at school or something doing like that and their mom or dad who's been in the armed forces sneaks up behind them and the kid turns around and, oh, there's that cry and the joy. And it make me cry just thinking about it. Disbelieving joy. That's where Jesus moves here. That's where in their mind they're beginning to come around to the fact that this really is Jesus. He really is alive. He does have this power over death and hell. The third response on your outline is that Jesus commissioned them for ministry. So he doesn't just say, hey, this is great. But he gives them a commission. So if you've got your Bibles and are able to turn with me to John chapter 20, we're going to read our parallel passage now. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. It says, on the, first, uh, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. There's that joy. Verse 21. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Let's go back to verse 21. Again, he said to them, peace be with you. When we get a big job, we need reassurance. When we're doing something new, we need reassurance. When it's outside of our comfort zone, we could use some reassurance. And the commission Jesus is about to give them, changing them from disciples, followers, students, learners, apprentices, to apostles, sent out ones, on missions, missionaries, is that they need His peace, His strength, His encouragement along the way to do this new world-changing job. He commissions them for ministry, and He says, as the Father has sent me, past tense, I was sent, I am sending you Perfect tense, now and ongoing into the future. You will be my missionaries. Jesus commissions them for ministry. If you look throughout the Gospel of John, John chapter 13, we get that mission of Christ, John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. Throughout the Gospel of John, John is very clear of what Jesus says his followers, his disciples are supposed to do. 
and commissioning them and pointing them out. And friends, that doesn't apply just to those that heard it there then. It applies to us today too. We've been commissioned, which leads to your third question. What do I need from Jesus? What do I personally need from Jesus? All of us are at different places today. I mean, we're here physically or in your home physically. But in our mind, in our spirit, in our world around us, we're in different places and we have different needs from Jesus. And so what do you personally need from Jesus? Do you need hope? Do you need peace? Do you need assurance? Do you need joy? Do you need strength? Do you need encouragement? Do you need a purpose? Do you need mission? Do you need a commission to do that? All of us have that calling, that commission. But our mission and how we do that is going to be a little bit different for each and every one of us as individuals as well. They started with fear. They had questions. They got hope. And now our fourth and final point on our outline is they had joy. Joy. That's in verse 20 there of John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 20. Remember what it says, and I'll read it again. And he said this, after he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They were overjoyed. They rejoiced. They really did believe him. They knew it was him. They knew that they could trust him. They knew that he had overcome the grave. They knew He was who He says He was. What made the difference for them? Jesus was present with them. Now, Jesus may not change your situation, but He can change my view of the situation. Or said a little more succinctly, Jesus may not change my situation, but He can change me. What situation are you in right now? Maybe you're out of work. Maybe finances are tough. Maybe you're dealing with an addiction. Maybe you're dealing with depression or anxiety. Maybe you're dealing with questions and fears. Jesus may not yet change the situation, but He can change you within the situation. He can give you hope. He can give you faith. He can give you joy, just as He did the disciples here The question is how? The disciples here had that kind of hope growing within them, that faith and that joy because Jesus was with them. That's where you and your daily study of God's Word comes in. You're spending time with Jesus. That's where you and your daily prayers come in. And that when you walk with Jesus, you have a relationship like that that changes you and gives you joy in the midst of of the situation. Let's look at our fourth response on your outline. And that's that Jesus empowers them with the Holy Spirit. Jesus empowers them with the Holy Spirit. Now this is curious and raised all sorts of questions from theologians and we'll deal with that, but let's read John chapter 20 verse 22 through 23 again. And with that after he commissioned them, he breathed on them and he said receive the Holy Spirit. 
So let's deal with that one real quick. There are some scholars that say he actually imparted them the Holy Spirit to continue to dwell in them. In Acts chapter 2, just merely symbolic, and they didn't get the Holy Spirit until everybody else did at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, as recorded in your Bibles. So we can't take a firm position on that either way. People have written dissertations and books about that. But uh, one way or the other, whether it's symbolic or whether it's real, Jesus is saying this is how you're going to do it. This is how you're going to accomplish the mission I've set out for you. This is how you're going to have joy in the midst of your circumstance is by the Holy Spirit. So let's move on to verse 23 because this one raises some more theological questions. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiving. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now some people see in this that Jesus says if you bind on earth, it'll be bound in heaven. Loose on earth, loose on heaven. Two separate theological issues. So this isn't the same. The Roman Catholic Church has misinterpreted this and said that The church, i.e. their church, by a priest, has the power to forgive you your sin. That's not in Scripture. There's some other Scriptures that the Roman Catholics need to take up to overcome that theology. What Jesus is saying is that when you pronounce forgiveness of sins for someone, I'm going to forgive them. When you say to someone, you've sinned, And unless you repent, you're not going to forgive them. It's me that convicts them. God wrote the rules. We only point them out to people. Folks say to us, why are you being so judgmental? Why are you judging me? I'm like, I ain't judging you. God's word is judging you. I'm only telling you what it says. That's what Jesus is saying here. He empowers them with the Holy Spirit, just as you and I are empowered today. So our question Your fourth and final question on your outline asks, who has Jesus called me to be? He called these disciples unto himself. He's now commissioned them in a new role of ministry that will begin to unfold as Scripture goes forward. And you and I on the other side of this with the entire Bible know. But who's he called you to be? He's called you to follow him. Yes, you're here listening, you're here watching, you're here with us. God's word means something to you. You are probably already a follower of Jesus, but who's he called you to be in that? What's your purpose? What are you going to accomplish? In the midst of June 2020, with all that the world is, that may be even harder to answer. There's probably even better to seek the answer now than it ever has been before. Of these passages of Scripture, Luke 24 and John 20, R. Kent Hughes, a pastor and Bible commentator, said, and I believe this is no overstatement, without a doubt, this was the most dramatic day in history. This was the day that Jesus rose from the grave. This was the day that Jesus appears to disciples showing that he rose from the grave. And this is the day in which Jesus commissions all disciples to be sent as he was sent. To share God's message as he shared God's message. And the day he promises the Holy Spirit in order to be able to do that. You've seen the reactions of the disciples here. From fear, to questions, to hope, to faith. What's your reaction today? Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, 
as we come before you, we may be somewhere on that gamut as well. That because of everything happening in our life or in our world, we have fear. Or we have questions. Father, we pray that by the presence of your Holy Spirit, even though our world may not change, that you change us within it. That you give us joy, you give us hope, you fill us with faith, and that we would be obedient to you. Father, we ask if there's anyone hearing my voice this morning who's never trusted Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord, that they would make that decision to confess their sins, to ask forgiveness, and to ask Jesus to be the Savior and Lord of their life. And for all the rest of us who are already Christ followers, would we be so filled with your Holy Spirit by the time we spend with you that no matter what this world throws at us, we have faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.